This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 41 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have guests from New York, Florida, and way down in Australia to share their work with horses and people for better lives. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 15th and the 30th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. How's it going? It's going great. How are you today? Good. You sound good. And Florida is uh, is uh, appealing to you these days? We had a bit of a dry spell here because typically this time of year, we get rain showers pretty much every afternoon, and for yeah. about two weeks, we got nothing. Oh, uh, that's like California. Yes. Well, finally, last night, the heavens let loose, Ah. and we got about an inch and a half of rain, so everything is once again tropical and bright green and happy. Florida-like. That's awesome. That's awesome. And the horses all got rinsed off. The horses (laughs) all got rinsed off. They got that bath they deserve. That's right. That's right. (laughs) We were out in a little bit of kind of a ray. For California, about as all we're getting these days is ocean mist, so we'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I went with uh, five other ladies, and we went to uh, Montana del Oro, which is in central California. It's not too far from Morro Bay. There's big Morro Rock out there, and there's mountains and beach. And we spent uh, three days riding, one day traveling to and from, and uh, it was fantastic. It's just one of those, oh, we call it therapeutic, you know? Yeah, I, saw you po- I saw you posting beautiful Facebook pictures again. Yeah, I know. Aren't those gorgeous? Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. So whenever you guys go out and ride, it it takes, what, a half a day or so to get out where you're going to ride? Well, you mean actually saddling up? We saddle up about 9, 9.30, and then uh, going into the mountains, it probably is about a half an hour, you're right, because we we go along the dunes, and then you just go straight up. I mean, it's called Nosebleed Trail, and and I think there's a ridge line is another one. But they have horse stairs. You know, they have those elongated stairs that they've built in everywhere, and we go under canopies of eucalyptus, and then out along the ridge line where it's just, you know, like a little goat trail. Don't look down. And then through fern fern grottos and uh i rode a, a little five-year-old willing partners horses in training and he led a lot of the way up the mountaintop so he just scurried up there and said hey keep up kids so he was really good yeah gruyas we had we t- two gruyas which are just beautiful you know what i'm talking about the gray dun with mm-hmm. the dorsal mm-hmm. they're beautiful that, that and, color yeah. that those of us who ride english are not familiar with yes i suppose yeah <laughs> We, we're we, way we look at that out and go, west. how do you pronounce that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Great. That's it. Yeah, they're really, they're really beautiful. And um, so you'll see some of those photos if you go on that Facebook page and, and see some of those. We should put, or maybe we have those on your Facebook page too on Horse Radio Network. I don't know. I we saw Maybe them. share them. Mm. I saw them. I think because I'm friends with you on Facebook, I saw them on mine, on my feed. Okay. But yeah, we should share those on, on to, uh, on the uh on uh, horses in the morning or something because they're beautiful shots now there are there public trails that anyone can go up and park and and go for a ride they are you know they even have pipe corrals that you can use there that big troughs and it's all set up for that we stay in a little hotel that's um just right on the edge of the of the state park but yeah if you i think glenn had googled it before and montana de oro um the state park system and you can camp there you can stay in in RVs or you can set up tents in some places. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's huge. I don't know how many acres it is, but it must be like five hundred or something. Now, it's are huge. the horse trails shared or are they horse specific? They are. They don't say anything specific, like no motorcycles allowed or anything. But I don't think you're. I think they keep those out of the state parks anyway. So you might encounter a dog, you might encounter um, hikers, but we never saw any bikes or motorcycles or anything mechanical like that. And um, the even the dogs are on leash and they were all well-behaved and everybody is pretty, pretty savvy there. I mean, Central California is not overcrowded anyway. So we were there on Memorial Day, get that, right? So that weekend. Wow. And we left on Saturday before it really heated up. But 
you know, that even so, you'd think they'd be crawling with people. And you can see those photos of the beach. There's nobody out there. But it was gorgeous. There was, you were out there yeah. pretty much all by yourselves. Eh, a couple fishermen. That was it. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, really nice. So, so yeah. you, just, you were just doing loops. You, you'd head out in the morning and get back in the evening? Yep. Pretty much. We were like kids, you know, go out and play. And we didn't come back all day. <laughs> <laughs> now, something I've noticed with the a lot of the trails that we that I ride at here in Florida are in um, federal parks. And some of them are state parks. But I've noticed that the trails, and particularly because it's Florida, um, if you don't mow things and trim things pretty much on a weekly basis, Mother Nature takes over. Wow. So the trails are sometimes not well marked. Oh, I love that. Bushwhacking. <laughs> <laughs> are the trails out there re- pretty well marked or are they just easy to see because they get used? Well, maybe both. I mean, you can you can do a little bushwhacking. I don't know if it's legal, but so don't tell anybody. But no, I you you can see where the trails are supposed to be because they're used enough. And somebody maintains them, but I, I think it's probably easier than in Florida because it doesn't grow that fast here. Yeah. Um, they, they I could tell we were some of the first big rides through there because they had fresh, you know, chopped limbs that had fallen or something like that, you know, so it it is maintained beautifully. And, um, you know, they have water along the way and everything too. So it is set up. They even have porta potties, you know, in certain spots and everything. I know it's not roughing it at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in the parking lots, they have a porta potty there. Yeah. Little tie ups and things too, you know, lots of logs that we can get up and on. (laughs) And, uh, and, and the trails are perfect though. They really are set up for horses and, and just enough challenge too. Like they drop off pretty steep. So, you know, you mm-hmm. got, I wouldn't want to go up there with a really, really inexperienced horse. You, you want to go up there and maybe spend a half a day with a really inexperienced horse. You know what I like it's a though? great way to get them experienced. Exactly. When you have the ones that are a little bit fractious, give them a really tough trail to ride on and they focus yes. more. Exactly. They're not going to jig yeah. and dance because they know better. Well, they might try, but they get tired pretty fast. You know, that the dunes are like a foot deep when they're walking through there. So you get them tired before you ever get them to a hill. And, and then the dunes are, you get them through the dunes and then you, there's a big berm between the beach and the dunes. So you don't hear the roar of the ocean Mm -hmm. until you go through these uh, gaps in the dunes. And then it just starts, you can feel their, their little heart rates start to go up That's too. That's when the fun begins. <laughs> oh, it is exciting. Let's see who's going to spin today. But they actually, they were really good. They, they really didn't, you know, sometimes there's big beds of kelp that get washed up on the beach sometimes. Right. And they've got funny smells and stuff. And so there's these, uh, turkey vultures that like to land in oh, them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the horses will be walking along and they'll see these kelp beds. And they kind of look at it funny. And then this pterodactyl starts to unfold its wings and come up out of one of those things. You're like, oh, this is a good horse hazard. I like this. This is fun. Yeah. So one of the things we used to do whenever we take horses out to the beach, I did that quite a bit when I lived in Massachusetts. Um, we always contemplating what is it about the beach that freaks out so many horses the first time or the first couple of times they go. And we, we would kind of, well, is it the fact that the water moves back and forth? Is it the sound? Is it the reflection? Is it the smell? Where do you come in on that discussion? (laughs) All of the above. Yeah. it, It is. It's kind of a sensory overload because like, like I said, if they don't, they smell the dunes first, you know, that's different, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's just different environment when you haven't been on the beach. And, um, and then you go through that and you start to hear the sound first. And I suppose the air, you know, the smells and stuff are wafting through too, but it's the sound that really starts to drive that adrenaline up and they get kind of up on their toes, even if you've gone, Mm -hmm. you know, a quarter of a mile in deep sand. (laughs) And, and then when they hit the beach, there's that feeling of, Ooh, now you're kind of an ooey wet sand, which is different. Mm -hmm. And then you see that, that ocean line, that little bubbly line, you know, that goes back and forth and back and forth. And, and then that starts crashing. So you got that sound starting to escalate. And then you've got birds going, ah, you know, you got a lot of stuff. We got pelicans. So you got overhead. I mean, if you think about it, it is like, you know, going back into some prehistoric predator time for horses. Yeah. <laughs> because sure. they were small, you know, horses were tiny in the prehistoric time. And they had to worry about the pterodactyls picking them up because they were the size of a little pig, you know? Yeah. And so everything flying above them, this explains a lot about, you know, that little tiny shopping bag up in a tree that freaks them out so bad. Why? Why does it, you know, it weighs three ounces. Why would it even, you know, scare a horse? That's why. They, you know, they worried about predators from the sky. Of course, they're sound driven and a lot of 
in a lot of ways. And and they sink as a herd. You know, it's the one in front. If that adrenaline starts going up, their adrenaline starts going up too. Going, what are we supposed to go somewhere fast? So you know, all those those elements do. But if they all stay low and you guys all breathe through your bellies, you know, then it brings the whole adrenaline scene down too. And pretty soon that crashing and the quiet becomes sort of a calm too. You know, Mm -hmm. it's that ocean becomes just a drone and they really liked it. And they poked their toes in the, in the little bit of wet sand there too. We didn't push anybody into the sea. Nobody was swimming and hair blowing or anything. (laughs) (laughs) There was none of that stuff. I was frequently on a pony when we go to the beach. Mm-hmm. And um, because the, I was invariably taking the kids out, so I take one of the ponies, so I would be at a, an appropriate level to rescue them when needed. Yeah. And a couple of the ponies decided that they thought the beach was really cool, and they wanted to relive that scene in the Black Stallion. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Bareback and everything. <laughs> yeah, so I I would go swimming right up to my knees in the, in the ocean quite a bit, oh. and in Massachusetts, even in the summer, that's a Burr. mighty cold experience. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh no, no, I, you're much braver than me. We, you know, we we were all up zipped up in our long johns, and it's May in California. In May? We're, we're pathetic. I know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds like such a grand time. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Well, you have some other cool stuff going on. Um, we do horsemanship we do. wise with uh, Temple Grandin, don't you? Oh, I can't wait for this. So I'm gonna. In the next, uh, probably episode 43, this is episode 41 we're recording right now, episode 43, we're going to put out um, a back and forth, a Q&A that Monty, my dad, did with Temple Grandin and a group of about 20 instructors from as many countries, just about. And um, it's a fascinating, fascinating conversation that we had with Temple Grandin. And for those who don't know it, go rent the video that Claire Janes is the actress and the the name of the video is actually Temple Grandin. That's the woman's name. She is in her 60s now. She's written Oh, got more books than I can count. And she's a high functioning, the highest functioning, I think, autistic um, that you can find. She's a full professor at Colorado State University. And uh, she is brilliant. And she thinks like a horse. I know we talk about thinking like a horse, but she actually does think like a horse. And because of that, she's been able to um, help uh, people design different uh, facilities for animals that keep the adrenaline down. And, um, you know, she talks about stable vices in there. I can't wait to share her with you. She's wonderful. I just looked it up. Temple Grandin gets a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Must watch this movie. There we go. Oh, good. Good. Well, Claire... Claire Danes is, as Temple Grandin said, Claire Danes didn't play her. She was her. <laughs> she wow. actually, she talks like that. And, and Claire Danes really nailed her. So for anybody who doesn't know Claire Danes, she does that well. You know, she really does study a part and, and gets it perfect. And um, and Temple Grandin is worth um, worth studying. She really That's is. That's great. Well, so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I watch that in preparation for the episode oh. 43 interview. Excellent. Great. Okay, thanks. Well, what have we got coming up on the show here, gal? Well, we have some very interesting ladies. Um, We have a a couple of ladies that are doing a lot for scholarships and education for equestrian students in in our world and making the world a better place for um, the ability to keep horses uh, advocating and showing in our lives with these people. And then we've got a lady from down under who's getting up at 4.30 in the morning, I must say, to um, on a Friday morning because as we record this on a Thursday afternoon, she is trying to wake up probably, drink a lot of coffee. And uh, Sophie Cox is an amazing horsewoman down in the Perth, Australia area. Cool. Well, let's get to it. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. 
You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the risk capacity survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an index fund advisors. Or you can call us toll free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Lindsay Martin of Miami, Florida was named president and manager of the College Preparatory Invitational Horse Show CPI in July of 2014. Lindsay has worked for Karen Flynn of Tally Ho Farm for the past 15 years, and she's been extremely involved in the Barton S. Goldberg University of Miami equestrian team, which is based out of the Tally Ho Farm and the Tally Ho IEA equestrian team. We have Lindsay. We also have Jane DaCosta of North Belmore, New York, and she's completed at the co- she competed at the college level and in the uh, United States Equestrian Federation horse shows for 25 years in both equitation, hunters, and jumpers. Uh, Jane is a training coordinator now for the Jamaica Bay Riding Academy in Brooklyn, New York, and she's founder of the nonprofit Metropolitan Equestrian Team for students to compete locally and nationally in the. Interscholastic Equestrian Association, the IEA. Welcome, Lindsay Martin and Jane DaCosta. Jane, you're in New York today, is that right? Yes, I am. Hey, good to hear from you, and I thank you. And Lindsay, you're in Miami? Yes, I am. Terrific, you guys. Thank you for joining us today. It's really fun to have you guys split, but um, we want to hear so much about what you're doing together, not geographically separate, <laughs> but but you're taking the nation by storm here with so much to do for the student of the equestrian field. Jane, tell us a little bit about why um, your two big organizations have uh, joined forces and uh, what they're trying to do for the nation's students. Well, before the creation of Junior Equestrian Festival, I was heavily involved in the College Prep Invitational. College Prep Invitational has been around for quite a number of years and it's been very successful. And what Lindsay and I wanted to do was create a Northeast and a Southeast, which is now actually expanding also to California, an operation that can kind of bring avenues for all students all over the country. So typically, yes, the College Prep Invitational has historically attracted students from all over the country, California, Hawaii, even outside of the country, Dominican Republic, Bahamas. Mm, But we wanted to be able to cover more ground. So what we decided to do was create the Junior Equestrian Festival, which is located in the the Hunt Seat operations located in the Northeast, which currently this year, the Hunt Seat Horse Show will be held at Fairfield Hunt Club on October Mm. 9th through the 11th um, in Westport, New York. I'm sorry, Westport, Connecticut, my bad. Mm-hmm. And the southeast operation of the Junior Equestrian Festival will be the Western Horse Show, which will be held at the Grand Oak in Weirsdale, Florida. The Hunt Seat location for the College Prep Invitational will be held Martin Luther King weekend, January 14th through the 16th, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong on it's those dates. 15, January 15th through the 17th. Oh, sorry. 15th gotcha. through the 17th. Uh, in Wellington, Florida, at the Jim Brandon Equestrian Center, which is absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, also, we also wanted to outline that this operation of the College Prep Invitation will be moving out to California March of next year, um, which will be announced at a later date. And the reason why and the rarity you see of two forces joining together is because of the, I would say, the educational values and the determination Lindsay and I have to strengthen these two organizations, not as separate in competition with each other, but to bring us together, to bring our um, expertise together, to branch out and educate students, parents, and trainers Mm -hmm. on all the educational opportunities that are available to them throughout the country in collegiate um, equestrian sports. Good. Gosh, you guys, it sounds so corporate and and take over the world. I love it. Lindsay, how did you and Jane get together on this? Is this something you guys have worked in parallel uh, and then uh, found a need or did it happen more happenstance like that? Give us a little background. Um, It was actually kind of happenstance. I have Peter Cashman, who is the coach at the United States Military Academy at West Point. He um, works for me and he manages my horse show. 
And once I took over as owner and president of CPI, I was speaking to him and he told me, you know, we were talking about growth and how I really wanted to grow the program and expand. And he said, you have to call Jane DaCosta. And I had <laughs> met Jane the year before at CPI where I was volunteering. Um, and, you know, we kind of had a casual conversation. And so I sent her an email and we went from there and we kind of you know, decided it was easier to conquer this together yeah. um, as allies than to go about it, you know, trying to compete against each other. Because at yeah. the end of the day, it's all about promoting, you know, continuing your education, you know, regardless of financial background and all of that. That's ultimately what it's all about, is getting, yeah. you know, it out there. Right. No, that, that makes perfect sense to you guys. I know you're a nonprofit, or at least uh, the, the, the United States Equestrian Federation horse shows, um, I don't think, work on nonprofit, but your, your foundation is working on nonprofit. Is that right? I have a, we have a CPI scholarship and educational fund that is a nonprofit organization, which Good. is actually, that's the side of the company that administers all of the scholarships that we offer. We also administer all of the scholarships at the Junior Equestrian Festival as well, which is Jane's operation. So that's okay. kind of where we tied in, you know, how we could benefit each other. Um, yeah. You know, whereas so all of the scholarships offered at the Junior Equestrian Festival horse shows are CPI scholarships. Great. Well, you know, our byline here at Horsemanship Radio is feel good about the direction that horsemanship is heading. And we, you know, we feel like for the last 15, 20 years, horsemanship has taken a turn for more empowerment to the student and more empowerment to a horse owner. And so that's what I like about where you're going here. But if I'm a, if I'm a mom of a child who's, you know, doing well in, uh, in their equestrian pursuit, whatever that is, um, what what would I want to know about you guys? How can you guys help help my child? I think that one of the misconceptions of trying to ride in college is that you need to have an abundance of finances in order to support the endeavors to get there. And it's quite frankly, it's not the case at all. Uh, there's a huge pool of scholarships that are available. A lot of them are primarily through merit scholarships. These colleges are becoming quite savvy with their merit scholarships and able to give it to these children who want to ride on equestrian teams. And I would say 90% of the teams that are that I'm referring to that are administering these merit scholarships to ride on teams are teams are from the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, the IHSA. Okay. There are about 400 so um, colleges that are members of the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, and and I, I think that. In that avenue, which seems to be a very more flexible avenue as opposed to other avenues of equestrian team sports that are available, it it definitely opens the card for all levels of riding. So some children are born in the tech, some children aren't, which that's great because the avenues that are supplied to the children in the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association is the same that's provided to them in the um, Interscholastic Equestrian Association, which is the middle school, high school program. Right. So I will tell you as a parent and as a coach, one of the things that I would advise a parent to do is to take a step back and think about the child's future. Okay. Where does this child want to be? Where's the riding going? Where's the education going? What kind of level of student um, is the rider? And I would strongly suggest that students that ride get involved and ride in on IEA teams, which is a middle school, like a high school program very similar to the Intercollegiate Horse Association, which is the college level of riding. And what I like about that is that it teaches these children how to catch ride. Eight out of 10 children today have no idea how to get on a horse they've never ridden before and know what to do. Mm. And I think that there's a strong sense of talent for children who are able to catch ride or be able to pick a name out of a hat or a horse draw Mm -hmm. and get on it, show it, and be done. And point. And, and, that, and that to be said is very valuable because then a child has to have a strong sense of horsemanship, um, sportsmanship, showmanship, mm-hmm. a whole different level of person there. And, you know, I, I would strongly suggest that a parent get their children involved on their younger size in the IEA programs, okay. um, 
take a step back on trying to uh, throw thousands and thousands of dollars other directions because there is many children in these IEA programs. There are about 11,000 uh, children throughout the country, 10 or 11,000 uh, throughout the country in this IEA program, which feeds a lot into the IHSA. And the IEA and the IHSA formatted core shows are very similar to what the Junior Equestrian Festival and the College Prep Invitational horse shows are about. The children mm-hmm. that come to our horse shows don't bring horses. They are competing on horses that are provided to them at the horse show, and it is a horse draw format. Children line up in high order. They pick a name out of a hat, and that's what they're riding. They watch these horses school. That's they great. get on it. They get two practice jumps, and they go into the arena. And there's a lot to be said about that, how talented a rider has to be in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lin- Lindsay, uh, define for some of our listeners who might not know what a catch ride is. A ca- oh, a catch ride is where um, the rider basically gets on the horse and has never been on the horse before. And they have maybe two minutes warm up. In the IEA, they actually have um, get to do two practice jumps, whereas in the IHSA, you do not. You don't even really get to walk on the horse. And you go in the ring and you show the horse. Yeah. That's terrific. I mean, do these kids do these kids sweat bullets about that? Some some kids don't grow up with that nece- necessarily kids, until they get to college. Kids, yeah. Yes, some kids do, um, which is why you know we're huge supporters of the IEA program. Um, you know, it prepares them extremely well for um, for being able to to do that um, and get on and all of that. You know, you could be the top junior rider, you know, out there, but unless, you know, some people, you're used to that horse. Some -hmm. people can't go in and just show, you know, and expect results. And at that point, you know, it is definitely up to, you know, the judge and and everything else. So it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about both of these horse shows is that the colleges are present. I wouldn't say 400 colleges are present, but last year, at the College Prep Invitational, Lindsay had about 35 to 40 colleges present, um, including their sponsors as well from last year. And the college tables surround the, the ring where the children are competing. And they're watching these children and they're taking notes and they're approaching them and they're saying, hi, I won now. They're not going to sit there and throw money at you, but they want to mm-hmm. hear what kind of person you are and what you can provide to their school and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it gives these children the opportunity to be seen by colleges. They get to interview with these schools, possibly, you know, get a little more time with them through the application process. Uh, It's a great, great, great avenue. People say, is this a recruitment event? Is it a recruitment event? No, I cannot tell you it's a recruitment event. But the colleges are there. They're watching. And they (laughs) are watching hard. And they're learning. And they're picking up students. I will tell you that I have a nonprofit called Metropolitan Equestrian Team. And I have sent my children to these kind of horse shows for years. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten my children hundreds of thousands of dollars of college scholarships. We just had an article in today's Equestrian Magazine about all the children that have gotten all the scholarships for the past year or two. And these children who have gotten these college scholarships to SCAD, Centenary, Randolph, um, High Point, Finlay, these are not riders who own horses. I mean, one of them does, but the rest of them don't own wow. a horse. And not to mention that these children that I'm speaking about in my not profit, they live in Brooklyn, New York. That's great. So I don't know if anyone realizes it. There's not a (laughs) New York City. These children are from New York City. And yes, they are located at Jamaica Bay Riding Academy on 500 acres, believe it or not, in Brooklyn, New York, on beaches and trails. But they don't want to work. And they're able to obtain all of the scholarship money. The average bachelor's degree is anywhere between one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars. Wow, that's yeah. I guess that's what it is these days. Tell me, tell me about somebody who's listening who might think I'd like to contribute to that. Is is that a corporate person? Are these sponsors usually coming from a corporate world, or are they are they individuals who just want to support good horsemanship and and well, equestrian I education? Have, we have sponsors. We have a lot of corporate sponsors. Um, we do have some people that individually sponsor or donate to the scholarship and educational fund. Um, All of that money, you know, allows us to be able to increase what we're able to give away in scholarship money 
um, to begin with. Every year we start at a base of $500 per scholarship, Mm -hmm. and we have several programs in place. I have the Junior Ambassador Program, which is a service-oriented program that allows you to um, earn service hours while you raise money and funds for the scholarship and educational funds. Um, and it allows them to go out there and, you know, and, and all of that is go out there and be proactive and promote the program while getting service hours, which is huge on college applications nowadays. Yeah, um, I suppose, you know, they yeah. want to see what you've done and all of that. So we have that, I have that program and then we have large corporate sponsors that have sponsored. Um, Dover has been a sponsor since the inception of the program five years ago. Good. Um, you know, and they're fantastic to us. And, you know, we have a ton of other corporate sponsors as well. Great. Great. Well, that's wonderful, you guys. Well, I'm glad you got together. I'm sure you guys are glad you got together, too. And we hope to hear lots of good things more from you, too. Why don't you give out your uh, website addresses so that we know how to find you? Jane? The College Prep Invitation. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> the College Prep Invitational can be found at www.collegeprepinvitational.com. Okay. And the Junior Equestrian Festival website can be found at www.juniorequestrianfestival.com. Well, thanks again for joining us. And uh, please don't hesitate to let us know when you've got some more things coming down the pike as a, a result of this wonderful union that you've made. And we hope to talk to you soon. Um, we're really excited because Sean's Omega Fields company has done something amazing for one of our test horses. His name is Cadillac. And we felt so strongly about it that um, we definitely wanted to bring him on as a sponsor of Horsemanship Radio. And we wanted you to know that it came in that Um, order first is that we were so impressed with this product and with this horse's results that we wanted to have him a part of our um, our monthly shows what is it about the omega fields product something's different omega fields uh, was built around a really um, unique and proprietary technology flaxseed has been known for a long time to contain rich source of omega-3 fatty acids along with omega-6 and omega-9 fatty acids in, the, in a near-perfect balance. But historically, there was a problem using it. It's high in fat, and when it was uh, milled into a feed product or a food product, it, it would go rancid very quickly. So our company had developed a proprietary technology for stabilizing this high-fat flaxseed to make it usable, uh, give it a long shelf life in a natural uh, environment. We don't use any chemicals or additives to mm-hmm. extend the shelf life or anything like that. It's a completely natural process. That's what makes our flax really different. Um, it makes it usable. It makes it nutritious over a long period of time. We guarantee an 18-month shelf life, so consumers can use it with confidence without it going rancid that you know would potentially harm the horse. So quality of manufacture, every single thing in that uh, product, Omega Horse Shine, is food grade. It's made at a food grade facility with great care of product quality. Uh, the stabilization technology makes that Omega-3 uh, nutrition, nutritional value locked in and usable for a long period of time. So proof is in the pudding, so to speak, that it, it really works. You'll see dramatic results in a fairly short period of time. Sophie Cox has always had horses in her life for as long as anybody in her family can remember. She was always looking for a better way to work with them. That's why a close friend gave her a book for her ninth birthday called The Man Who Listens to Horses by Monty Roberts. Sophie never looked back. She knew that one day she would go to Monty's farm in California and learn everything about this amazing method of training horses. And in 2009, she qualified as a certified instructor in Monty's methods. Sophie lives in Harvey, Western Australia on her farm, Zakula Park. Welcome, Sophie Cox, all the way from down under Australia. Thanks so much for getting up so early for us. No, thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. Ah, that's our pressure. It's an honor. I know that you're um, two and a half hours outside of Perth, if that puts it in perspective with anybody, but that is way far under 
way far under. And you're out <laughs> on a farm. Tell tell me the name of the farm you're on. Uh, Zikula Park. Zikula Park, um, and you were. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's named after our dog from when we were little. It's it's not an Australian word. Even in Australia, they think it's an unusual name for a farm. Ah, that's it. Okay, so I thought for sure you were going to say it's Aboriginal or something, but no, huh? It's after your dog. Wonderful. Well, um, I wanted to get you on this show because you're you're an amazing horsewoman, first of all. You're a certified Monty Roberts instructor, and we want to get that in. But also you're doing some work with um, some people using equine therapy, too. So I'd love to get all those subjects in. But I'd like to start off with... um, what what are you working in right now? I know you're training and you're doing some different, you're working with different industries. Tell us what you're doing with horses now. Um, currently at the moment, I run my, uh, my farm runs a training center for both horses and people. At the moment, we have an influx of starters, so uh, just babies, mainly for the racing industry, um, but quite a few for what we call Olympic disciplines. Um, so dressage, show jumping and eventing. Uh, I favour eventers. It's always had my heart. So I tend to try and get as many of them in as possible. Mm. Um, and then I run, uh, my favourite course to run is the Horsemanship 101 mm. because we get people right at the very beginning. Generally, they've had very little to do with horses. Um, usually the, the parents have absolutely no idea. They just know that you feed one in and you clean up after the other. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the children, are, as much as quite often, usually think they know a lot more. They, they, they're usually um, very green and it's really nice to sort of enable them to work with the horse, not just safely but really connect with the horse rather than I know when I was younger growing up that there wasn't a lot of uh talking to the horses and 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 working to try and make them better we generally just got on and rode around as fast as we could jumping as big as we could <laughs> and no no real consideration for the horse was you know brought into the picture yeah. um, so I really love to start with the 101 and just teaching children that every time they are around their horse they are interacting with it it's something that the horse will take from every time you go into even just to feed it mm-hmm. so if your pony's pushing over you you know that that's that's not acceptable behavior that's not safe for you and they have to learn that that's not correct but also you can that that's time that you're spending with your pony. Usually they're ch- the young children, so they're ponies in the horsemanship 101. But we do get some beginner adults. But mm-hmm. for the sake of it, I'll usually use the word pony. We um mm-hmm. that that's time you're spending with your pony. That 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 can be a positive experience for both you and your pony. So even if you just take the time to give it a little pat, or um you know just even just be with it for just a, a short time rather than, you know, racing off to, you know, watch some mm-hmm. cartoon indoor or nothing. That mm-hmm. it, it makes a big difference to your relationship with your pony. And so many children uh, are just they just blossom. You know, I come they come usually come back to uh course a little bit. We run the very beginner one where they not only learn how to work around their horse but they learn nutrition, um, the things that you need to do, like their feet, dentistry, make sure that your yeah. equipment fits properly. And then we run a course a little bit later on, a bit, a little bit more advanced, but still aimed at the younger kids, um, you know, how, how to train them, how to train the ponies maybe. Usually the ponies know. Ponies are what I, I call a tricky little <laughs> subject. They will pretend they don't know things. They, it's, it's, they, they tend to, they have much of a philosophy like a dog. I think dogs will not do anything if they think they can pretend they don't know how to. Get away with it, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's a pony. You know, if they can pretend they've never, ever learned to jump before, there's no way they'll jump because, you know, that's energy they don't need to be using. That's right. So, energy and, preservers. And, yes, exactly. And and ponies are the best for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I um, we usually help the children learn how to to get the best out of their ponies. Um, so they do they bring then, their own 
Uh, is this part of their, their own, it's their own pony that they're bringing in for these courses or do you provide all the ponies? I'm kind of curious because do you mix and match or do they bring their own? We do mix and match. Generally, unfortunately, I mean, um, people have already bought the ponies before they decide to learn to look after them. It's, mm. it's unfortunate. Anybody can just buy a pony. And um, with things such as Facebook, I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah in the USA, but in Australia, a lot of people advertise their horses for sale over Facebook sites and any, literally anybody can buy them. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's not as hard to, before, I know when I was younger, you had to go out to the, the a lot of them were riding schools or, or pony studs and, and almost prove your worth a little bit. Yeah. But now, right. Now, literally, if you can get the horse picked up or you can buy a float and, and put a horse trailer, sorry, we call them floats, um, yeah. you can pick your horse, pick, pick the pony up. So a lot of them come with their own ponies, but we do have um, anywhere between five and eight because we do run a pony education course here yeah. as well. So there's ponies coming through quite regularly, um, but anywhere between yeah. five to eight ponies here that we can match up with. The, the people, usually the parents who um, have had, they're on to their second or third child and have learned, rather than go and buy the expensive <laughs> pony, we'll check to see if the child's really interested in the, the sport before we go good and spend idea. all this money. But yeah, usually the first idea. time parents buy the pony straight away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And Facebook, oh dear, we have a thing called Craigslist here in the U.S., which uh, is, you know, it actually is a subject of uh, another radio show that uh, the on the Horse Radio ne- Network, and they have a thing called Really Bad Ads. It's hilarious. You've got to listen to it sometime <laughs> because you wouldn't believe how people describe these horses and they're trying to offload, you know. But, um, but you know, what I'm hearing is that you're you're an unusual person. You're You've got high-level skills, you're working with Olympian disciplines and race starters, thoroughbreds, and yet you're choosing to teach courses at a really basic level. It sounds like you have a passion for those children to start off on the right foot. I do. Um, It is really important to me. I mean, um, I did, when I first became certified instructor, before that I'd been working a lot with just thoroughbred racing um, and eventing mm-hmm. I um when I came back I came back to the thoroughbred industry straight away I it's um I can't help it I love it I love writing them um their fast work it's it's a thrill mm-hmm. um probably why I don't mind this time in the morning but um <laughs> <laughs> they I the more I ran courses at higher levels um I was amazed the things that they didn't know by the time they'd got to that stage. Mm-hmm. Just, um, you know, adults that have been riding for longer than I've been alive. I, we have a, a, an amazing rider that, you know, what I would say is relatively close to me, but she lives about four hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's won silver in eventing in the Olympics. And, there was things that she couldn't get her horse to do, things like um, standing still or tying up to the float and, mm. you know, at competitions all day, tying up to the um, float, a trailer, horse trailer. Mm. And it just amazed me that you could get to that level. I mean, she's essentially one of the top riders in Australia and she's lacking those basic skills. Mm. And then and I, I thought, Maybe that was unusual, but the more I went to competitions and watched and the horses that were coming through, I mean, a lot of the comments I got on the starters was how well they stood still to mount and things like this. And I, I was like, well, of course they do. That's, that's <laughs> part of the process, you know. And they were like, oh, no, you know, some of our horses that we compete and that's, you know, up at the top level don't stand still to mount. And I thought, oh, okay. And at first I was excited because I thought, well, that's going to be a nice thing for me to be able to work on. But the more I worked on it, the more I realized that it was actually the people not mm. having the skills. And then I went back and I went through what we have is called a pony club um, association mm. where they, they're they all scattered around um, all through Australia. 
and your your sort of district has a pony club and not everybody goes to it, but it's um, usually where most people start and they run every once a month, they run uh, what we call rally days and they'll have their mm-hmm. instructors and they, they always do horsemanship and um, follow along those lines. Yeah, good. And I went and I started to study their curriculum and I just noticed what was really lacking. And um, it's it's a slow process. We're trying. I've, I've been in talks with with a lot of the people that run different pony clubs, trying to um, improve their curriculum. But I just I couldn't wait. I was I'm too impatient. So I decided that that was something that really needed a lot of work. And mm. I ran my first one, which was actually more aimed at the parents um, oh. <laughs> to try and help to try and help them. And it was just so full. I, I was just, people were just calling. I went from when I first advertised it, it was booked within, I think it was something like 15 minutes. It was just. Oh my gosh, unreal. that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, we, um, then the kids, and I also, I guess I'm now a parent, so I have two little girls. Um, one's almost one and the other's three. And mm-hmm. I guess naturally then children became a part of my life. So yeah. Yeah. I, I probably started thinking more along those lines of, you know, what 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 I would like them, which is actually quite funny. My three year old daughter will walk out and stand next to me like she's part of the crew. You know, she stands there and <laughs> she tell tell kids that are five, six years old about her what they're doing wrong, which I'm not sure how well that goes down. <laughs> Good but for her. That's it, it, all right. It makes me feel proud that she already knows what's right and wrong with them. That's right. That's right. She's already picking up feet correctly, right? She's three. Yeah. yeah. I love <laughs> well, I know that you've recently started working with some victims of violence and using horses and, and, and dad's Monty Roberts concepts as therapy. And tell us a little bit more about how that's evolved in your day. Uh, yes. Um, that actually at first happened by chance, not that there's some um, chance is probably not the right word, but I didn't actually aim to set out to do that. I um, unfortunately was a victim of abuse when I was younger mm. and a good friend of mine um, knew this and she is a mental health patient, uh, nurse and she had a patient that they were really struggling to connect with okay. and she said that um, this girl loved horses, was always drawing horses. Mm. And she said, would I mind coming in and talking to her? So I was a little apprehensive because I was, I would be explained that this girl had had a, a, quite a horrific start to life. She was about 16 at this stage. Um, not quite, she was, it was almost her 16th birthday. And I was really quite worried about doing the wrong thing and saying the wrong thing and I can I can sometimes speak without thinking. So I was a bit worried but I agreed to it. And when I went there it was it was it just it was horrible. I went into this um hospital where quite a lot of children uh, are there to try and um come over their demons and I just it was really you know, really tugged on the heartstrings when I went in there and saw all these mainly girls, I I'm not sure if they were segregated into gender, but where when I went in, they were mainly girls, mm-hmm. and um, she just—I could barely get two words out of her. It just, mm-hmm. she was—it was just, she was just torn to pieces. And so they thanked me for my time, and I went went my way. And I was, I was, I, I was just hurt that I couldn't help her more because she was just, she looked probably about nine years old, even though she was about sixteen. She was just, even uh. just. But, it was just so small, and it yeah. Was, yeah, it was really hard. And mm-hmm. I thought, no, I can't, I can't leave it like that. So I drove home, and I we had a little pony that I had had that had been um, abused as well. She, someone had decided that they would learn how to start horses themselves. Oh, mm-hmm. and they 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 watched everything on YouTube, and then decided they'd put together their own program. Oh, great! And unfortunately, yeah. but so, yeah, it was lovely idea and the poor pony Uh, um, uh, got the worst of it so it was really timid but 
um, was just such a forgiving. I mean, I find most most horses and ponies are if they just forgive over and over again. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're generous. One, yeah. They really are, and this one particularly so. It just just really wanted you to do the right thing by it, and it just kept giving you chances. Mm-hmm. And I'd actually noticed with a few of my clients that uh, were really short tempered. I'd actually used this pony because no matter how angry they got, uh, they the pony would wouldn't react unless you did the right thing, unless you were soft and yeah. responsive. Perfect. And I and I actually you know, I've, I've still got the pony. It's, just, it's one of the most amazing tools. I'll, I'll never never get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of um, I'd noticed that a lot of people realised that you know there's, there's difference between strict and aggressive and it, it actually helped them and I thought so I put her in the um horse trailer and I drove back up to the, the hospital and asked my friend is she allowed into the grounds they had a little garden so they said yes as long as I can promise you anybody so I brought her in and the girl just lit up she was so excited Aww. and um yeah. yeah and and what was wonderful was the pony, it was one of those moments where, you know, people always say that horses sort of have a sixth sense for people that need them. Yes. And this pony just went straight for her. Like I had her on the long line and she literally went straight for her. Like she knew that that, and consequently then I was just hooked. Like when mm. I saw this girl and apparently she like barely said two words to anybody. That's all she talked about. Mm-hmm. That, and then when her parents visited her that evening, she talked about, the pony and yeah, and, and and just was going on, and that was the most I'd heard. They said that's the most I'd heard her talk since she was about thirteen years old, so nearly oh, three years. Gosh. So I just thought that that made me realise that, um, you know that that they really are. I'd always believed it, um, because horses got me through some really difficult times. But I just mm-hmm. when I saw that, I thought, um, you know, I haven't imagined it. And mm-hmm. so then we, I developed it from there with my sister's actually a child psychologist and mm-hmm. a speech pathologist. And so she's really well equipped to work with children. She actually wanted to work with autistic children. Um, but I've now got her on my bandwagon of um, kids in need. Yeah. And um, she, she helped. We have, um, we're still, we're still working on it. It still definitely needs some improvement. But um, we we not only help them work through their demons, but we also set them up with a lot of a lot of them feel like they have no future. Mm-hmm. So I set them up with ability to work with the horses, um, and um, a lot of them we then will find them a form of work placement at some of the big studs and things. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, that's stable, perfect. and then they can go out. Yeah, they go out into the world, so they're comfortable with horses, mm-hmm. and so they can go out knowing doing something that they know, but then also mm-hmm. experiencing the world again um, and with something that they're comfortable with. That's um, fantastic. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, it's it is it is good, and luckily now I have uh, another Monty Roberts student. She's actually um, in the process of getting her instructor. Well, she's hoping to get her instructorship, um, and she's actually a defence attorney here in Perth. A defence attorney, huh? Yes, mm-hmm. and so she naturally has a lot of involvement with um, a lot of children on the wrong path, right. and what. What she found was that a lot of them had been victims themselves and there are now becoming becoming people, you know, causing problems. So mm-hmm. that's our new, our new path we're working. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them are Indigenous children um, mm-hmm. and it just seems sad that uh, they seem to keep falling into the wrong crowds. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we're really excited about young and we're, we're hoping, we're aiming, first of all, to mainly be working with Indigenous children um, and going out to some pretty remote places around. More remote than you. Yes, yeah, more remote. (laughs) (laughs) I can can still drive to get bread and milk if I need it, but you're you're definitely well packed and... This one, you need a you need a cow to be living there with you. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, 
I think you're really you. you're you're really onto it, though, Sophie. I, I've we've been talking with some uh, high functioning autistics recently with some of their uh, job skill and work skill programs, and uh, you know this is one of the things that's missing uh, in that uh, keeping them busy and and keeping their minds occupied and and building stuff around. And and horses just seem to match that that quality, that flight animal quality of those kids that have had a tough br- upbringing, whether it's uh, you know, manufactured as an abuse or neglect system, or if it's something that, uh, you know, uh, they were born with as, as in a, in a challenge, you know, that horses seem to bring the best out in, in all of those issues. And I'm really, I'm really pleased that you've been able to use your talents and ability and that you're willing to use your talents and abilities in this area. We, we would love to hear more from you as, uh, as that program grows. Oh yeah, it's amazing. And it really is I mean, there are a lot of programs already trying to get started, but the the, the Monty Roberts concepts are just they're, they're perfect. They're perfect for it. In fact, I, I mean, we always get told um, not to get caught up in only one way of doing things, yeah. and that's main. That's why I loved um, when I started studying the Monty Roberts concepts because he would say the same things. I still remember the first time I met him. I was 17 years old and mm. we were actually staying at the same hotel. He was giving his show here in Perth. Uh, and um, it was uh, my, it was a present. I was, I was soon to turn 18, so my family brought me the present to go to the show and we'd stay at the hotel and generally almost stalk Monty. We didn't know he was at the same hotel, <laughs> but when we found out he was, the poor man couldn't get rid of us. And You um, stopped we, uh, yeah, we we basically did. If if he was having breakfast, we would have breakfast. If he had dinner, we would have so dinner. <laughs> and um, it's it's I I just found that he was just really wanted you to just be the best that you possibly could be. So and he encouraged you to if you could prove him wrong, that was fine. But just to find a better way to do things. And if if you thought that you had a better way than what he was already doing it. He was, he was, he's just so approachable about it. You can just say, and you know, sometimes you would, you would have an idea. And when you sat down to talk to him about it, you would realize you were really on the wrong path, but <laughs> never ever would you just get told, no, that's wrong. He would sit there listening, smiling to what you were saying and then say, but have you thought of this? And you would think, no, no, I didn't really think of that. But <laughs> okay. I'm wrong here. But, and, and it's funny. People that aren't even have never even seen a horse, uh, apart from you know on the big races on TV, mm-hmm. they they come and they watched us do some work with um the victims of violence, and also now some people that are actually violent themselves and are trying to overcome it, mm-hmm. and they're amazed at just how it makes sense, mm-hmm. how you can. There's no possible way. You can make a 450 kilo animal do <laughs> yeah. something it doesn't want to, and violence is just never going to improve that. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they said they just don't understand why people have never realised it before. And I said they have. It's just um, it took someone that really was you know committed to the cause. And I still get people that say you know that I mean we we recently have a problem with people saying that you should only um, encourage your horse. You should never discipline it. Mm, and, yes, that is a problem. And, <laughs> yes, and it's quite scary because a lot of them are parents. Mm. And if you say, um, you know, our, our, our philosophy is, which works really well with um, the children and the young people and the adolescents that we're working with, um, that we work our horses like we would raise our children. Mm-hmm. And that and I quite often get told the horses and kids are different. And I said, if you actually spent time with the two of them, they're very similar. They're That's really true. very similar. You know, they they their, their mind, the way they work, is very similar. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I've got proof with my two little girls. I do well. Mm-hmm. I don't do everything the same, obviously. It's irrelevant, but um, the same the same ideas. That's just right. That maturing process. Yes, watching yes. them absorb it, make choices uh, there, and and re- and when it's their 
problem and their fault, they know it. And when they've rejoiced, they know it. And I love that choice-based system. And you're absolutely right that that is, that is a, ho- a great way to train a horse and it's a great way to raise up kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, all, all, I'm just really happy with the professionals agreeing with it. You know, we just, mm. so in fact, Excellent. I think at Monty's last show in Perth, he probably had, there would be a whole section of our state equestrian centre that had completely people that never had anything to do with horses because they were so yeah. intrigued by how it worked yes. Yes. and, and how, how they could use it in everyday life. Yes, yes. Well, I think so. And I think it's it's people like you, Sophie, who are out there showing us that bridge and why um, we need to advocate for horses to stay in our lives, how that they um, do so much mirroring for us. And um, we'd love to have you back. I, I, would, I hope you'd agree to get up this horrific hour again <laughs> for us and, and try to do this. Or maybe we can tape this at another time. But um, I would love to hear more about all you're doing. I can't ask you to um, uh, share with us anymore today, you poor thing. Go back to bed. Leave the, the poor kangaroo <laughs> on your porch alone. Don't tell your husband about the grass. <laughs> and, I'll try not to. But, uh, but we'll, we'll uh, say goodbye now and, and thank you again so much for sharing so much of your life and, uh, and what you're doing for horses everywhere. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Our trainer's tip today comes from Carol Herter of Cavallo Horse and Rider, whose tip helps you and your horse get the most out of your, your time together. Welcome back, Carol Herter. We wanted to have you back from Cavallo. Thank you for lending a little bit of your expertise and time. But we have our, our um, trainer's tip. We have this section that really gets into behavioral issues with horses and behavioral issues with people. So thank you for agreeing to come back. What topic did you have for us today? You know, I just like to, um, to point out that being present in, in the moment with your horse. So let's, um, let's talk about that because the evolutionary state of your horse is really just to be, <laughs> if you can imagine. Just He's not caught be. up in thinking about the future or ruminating about the past, you know, how he should have disciplined his kid yesterday or what he's going to wear tonight. You know, he's <laughs> in the moment. All the things we do, yeah, that's true. All the things we do, you know, our, our thinking, our feeling, our doing. And, and so to meet your horse in a place of presence is not only um, comforting to him, but it's a really good exercise for us in our overall sense of self and well-being. Uh, so what you take into his space is really your responsibility. So I encourage you before you go into your horse's space to really look at um, what's occupying your mind right now you know what are your what are your problems? What are your what are you thinking about? What are you excited about? Uh, it doesn't have to be a negative thing, right? It could, you could be totally preoccupied with something that's making you really happy. But for the time that you go into your horse's space, just play around with being really there, and and that you know that's an exercise that will serve you in a lot of cases in your life, but it will really help your horse feel comforted because you won't be preoccupied with so many other things. That's a great tip. So we all know about the physiology that we bring to the relationship with horses, that our adrenaline is up, their adrenaline goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can relax and breathe out, they can literally stop, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. you know those, those lessons that we've had of, of stopping from your horse is just sitting down, breathing out, and thinking, whoa. So I, I love that you're asking us to be more present. So you're probably not a big proponent of talking on the cell phone when you're on a horse. Is that right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I should say not. I mean, you know, if that's what you want to do for a period of time, then just be aware that that's mm-hmm. what you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I guess what I'm saying is try to be, try to spend a period of the time that you're with your horse in full presence. And your point about breathing is just fabulous because that's the way you can really get present is with some deep breathing. So go to your horse. Have a few really deep breaths. Think about what you're thinking about, and then just be and let whatever comes up come up. Mm, that's you know, be it a shift in in the breeze or or the way he's standing, or or just really notice and really notice where your emotional state is because mm. you can't you you know so much comes from. Um, an intuitive state with horses, mm-hmm. and intuitive. that can't happen unless there's some level of silence. So That's go right. and be silent with your horse. Listen to that. That's a great tip. Go and be silent. We all just like did this one big breathe out, and we all want to go run out to our horses right now. <laughs> That's great. No, I could almost feel like I was out there. So, all right, everybody, turn your computers off and go out to your horse now. Okay. I'm turning my computer off now. See y'all. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great tip, Carol. It's great to have you back. Thanks again, and we'll have you back soon. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in June. The 5th through the 7th, he will have his Monty's Horse Sense and Healing. That's free for combat veterans and first responders diagnosed with stress injuries. Then on June 25 through July 1, he has a Monty special training with Portuguese translation, and that's at Flag is Up Farms. Then July 6 through 17 is that exciting Gentling Wild Horses course that Jamie Jennings is going to be attending it's from Horse so Radio exciting. Network. So exciting. So excited. And it's open to all levels, uh, even though Jamie's, you know, intimidatingly good. Don't worry about that. All levels can, are, are welcome. And that's at Flag is Up Farms. Arms. And July 30th, we have uh, we have an experimental little course that I want to teach. It's called Riding Styles Research, and it's how our personalities affect our horses and the ways to work together with that knowledge. And then, ooh, yeah, I'll tell you about that one. And then August 3 through 7 is Monty's special training at Flag is Up Farms, and that's our annual best week of the whole year. I love that one. Oh, boy. And you can see more at www.montyroberts.com. Or if you like to go old school, you can call, get Monty's calendar by calling 805-688-6288. And if you want to mix the two together, you can go to MontyRoberts.com and find that phone number. That's true. <laughs> and for details about today's show, go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about today's guests. And as always, we just love to hear your feedback. Please mm-hmm. follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Monty Roberts. And you can follow Monty on Twitter at twitter.com slash Monty underscore Roberts. So you can also get the app and have all of the Horsemanship Radio episodes along with all of the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network through wherever you go. Go to your mm-hmm. app store and search Horse Radio Network. And you can download it today because it's quick, it's free, and it's easy. It is. It really is. Even for me, that's good. And many thanks to many thanks to our sponsors, too. You guys are making this program happen. It's growing. I really appreciate that. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours. <laughs> 